0: My coffee cup, I said, thank you. Thank you. What if I looked at the day and the hours ahead? And before I move forward, I bowed my head and said, Thank you. Oh, I said thank you. What if I looked at my life in a different way? Took a little more time to stop and pray. I know it would change all the moments in between. So here I go, thank you, for everything. Everything that I had I could smile and somehow still be glad and say thank you, thank you Cause life is joy, life is pain, but the prayer of my heart will never change i say thank you, oh I say thank you
2: I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a board-certified integrative holistic health, energy, and sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. We have returning guests today, Penelope Jean Hayes and Carol Serene Borgans, who are here about two weeks ago, to discuss the book, the likely future, long term guidance from the source, and the likely future, briefings from PAX, the rest of the story. And you, our listeners, you let us know during that show just how much you enjoyed the discussion and you wanted more. So we opted to bring them back to discuss their latest book, Due Unto Earth, It Is Not Too Late. Let me take a moment to give you a little background on them before we get to the discussion. Penelope Jean Hayes is a new consciousness author, television personality, and speaker. She's the foremost leader in the field of contagious and osmotic energy known as viral enology. She is the founder of the Viral Energy Institute and author of the book, The Magic of Viral Energy. She has appeared on both national and international television, and she hosts her own podcast simply called Penelope. Carol Serene Borgens is a former nurse and longtime student of metaphysics. Carol has been channeling spirits since the early 90s when she was chosen by Pax and given the title Spirit Messenger. She races cars, writes, and provides in-person as well as remote sessions for clients around the globe and refers to her gift of channeling as the greatest blessing in my life and what a blessing it is indeed for all of us. Both of these women are living their lives to the fullest in a truly exceptional kind of way, and they're sharing their extraordinary experiences to benefit the whole. That's why you enjoyed the first show so much, and that's why we brought them back. So please join me in welcoming Penelope and Carol to the show, and thank you both so very much once again for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being?
3: We are being great, T.
2: We are, and it's
1: a gift uh, to us to be back with you again. So thank you.
2: Well,
3: you're quite welcome. It, it's I really. I feel we need to us. bustle up here, T. It feels wow. like we're about to take off. We need to put our. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to put our seatbelt on. I can feel the energy. This is great. Well, you might have to because I have
2: to say, okay, so everybody listening, first of all, the name of the book is Due Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late. This is a great book. I mean, you pour through it and you pour through it again and again, and you just can't believe what you're reading. And some of it really resonates at a level where intuitively, inherently, you know this stuff, you just don't know it consciously. So you're bringing things to life that's like, yeah, I thought about that and I believe that that's true and the way things go. We're never going to get through this entire book in an hour show. So I'm going to try to hit on the highlights of things that I think are most important. And then you, the listeners, you need to go buy this book because, first of all, it's the holiday season. Tomorrow's the first day of Hanukkah. If you go to a bookstore or you go to Amazon, you'll have it in two or three days. So you can give it to somebody as a gift through Hanukkah. You can give it as a Christmas gift, Kwanzaa the day after. You can give it in the new year. Birthdays are coming up, whatever. It's really Unbelievable to read. So you, you need to, to go through it to really get everything down. And I'm sure for the two of you writing it, it had to be phenomenally. I, I don't even know. It's ineffable. The, word, it's just, the words aren't coming to me right now. Yeah. It's just totally ineffable. Um, it was but exciting. Want, it is. It really You're is. exactly right. Here's something that was exciting to me after the last show. Okay, so as I think you both know, because Dia shared some of it with you, I. Have a health issue that I was dealing with And I was a little afraid And so I started praying Mm -hmm. to Pax Because I figured, go to somebody I just met Maybe he'll help me Wonderful Our show was on September 30th October is the month of the rosary And I pray the rosary Mm -hmm. every year During the month of October, every night And since then I've actually been praying it even more because of all that's been going on, but that reminded me of it. But the thing was, early in the pandemic, I was cleaning out drawers just like everybody else, you know, doing a lot of cleaning and purging, and somehow I really believe I must have thrown out the rosary beads that I received for my First Holy Communion because I could not find them Mm -hmm. anywhere. And I made piles in the bedroom and put stuff in boxes, and I can almost see them going out, even though I didn't do it purposefully. So I had to get rosary beads that I had from Lord's, And I took them out, in the velvet bag they were in, I turned it over, and I went, oh, there you are. And I started laughing, because on it is the Christian symbol, Kiro. And that symbol consists of an intersection of the capital Greek letter K, the letter X, and Rho, the Greek letter for P. So those are the first two letters of Christ in Greek, or Christos. And the Kiro represents either Christ or Christianity, Then to the left of the key row is the letter A for Alpha, and to the right is the symbol for Omega, so Alpha and Omega. (laughs) I thought that was really cool. So what it's saying is, yeah, the connection between the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, and, and of course after Constantine it became part of the official imperial insignia. So I thought, this is unbelievable. I had to share it with you because when I saw it on the bag, I knew Pax was familiar, but I didn't remember why. And that's it. I'd seen it all my life various places within Christianity. It's printing all kinds of things all over the world. But it didn't hit me as I'm sorry. I think I think those rosary beads were thrown out for a reason. (laughs) So I would find that better. Isn't it? it? Yeah. That was that was a message. Yeah, I thought so too. I was like, this is really cool. I know who you are. And I just (laughs) thought that was really you know like now I got it. So that was pretty interesting. So for tonight, show, instead of starting with the name, because we did that the last time, and now i I've, I've up to that a little bit, I'd like to start with the revelation that was made really early in your book. And it's important, but it's probably not the most important thing in the book, although it's a good part of it. So it starts with all of us here on Earth are aliens. We were seeded c- from other planets We're evolving, but we're also devolving in our lack of care and consideration for the Earth. And while there are people who are making plans that will be considered by the mainstream in a short period of Earth time to colonize other planets, the big news is it will become a reality that we do colonize other planets. So I would say that Mm -hmm. all of that is indeed a revelation. And since we don't have another planet in our solar system that has the right conditions to live as we do on Earth, and we're constantly exploring space as, as best we can at this time, to our knowledge, the layman's knowledge, the big question for this, to me, seems to be tax-considered to be a short period of Earth time when we will colonize to another planet. So.
1: Uh- uh, Carol Carol, did you want to go ahead with that one I just want to say that Pax um, has mm-hmm. always referred uh, To two measures of time uh, He refers to one as in the soon time, and the other he refers to as the far time. And, you know, over all these many years, as I've tried to interpret what was meant by that in the context of the specific reading I was doing, it seemed to me like the far time was something like 10-plus Earth years, whereas Uh the soon time uh, could be less than. Um, somewhere in, in that Time frame um, That's you know the best of my Knowledge best of my ability To explain it
3: Well to me both of I would just add. <laughs> yeah I would agree with that and I would Just add to that that there's also More clues from Pax Regarding when that colonization of Other planets would happen and that It would be when we raise our consciousness As a population so that the technologies to get there so that would require travel at the speed of light or greater than the speed of light and the technologies as well as the fuel solution has not yet been found by us and in all of these many years since we have landed on the moon we've never gotten past our own moon let alone another planet in our solar system and beyond where there might be a host planet that would make a suitable landing place for us to colonize so the clue there is that when we raise our consciousness and move away from the attitude of warring and the attitude that we have right now of the peoples in fear and, you know, developing nuclear weapons, you know, you think about the things that we are doing. That the spirit world is blocking us, Pax says, blocking that technology and that all technology is actually revealed to us. So revealed to our scientists and these people that are having these You know, incredible inventions are coming from a higher consciousness place, and that's how the seeding of thought, the seeding of wisdom actually comes to them. So that's being blocked right now. And what he also says in regards to timing is that we are moving into a new age right now. It's a really exciting time. And I think some of us feel that, that we're on the precipice of what will be the new age, he refers to. And that new age is when... We will start to tap into some of our, our other senses, you know, the ability to communicate telepathically, the ability to know when others are lying, for instance. And so there will become, you know, a truth-telling that we um, will experience, and, and a lot of these things are coming, and that's what we're moving into.
1: And Pax also in. wanted us to know that Spirit is very aware that we are simply not ready um, to be colonizing other planets he has referred to um, our need, apparently, to monetize another planet, to go and <clears throat> plant a flag and say it's mine and oh, uh, yeah. start, you know, selling off bits of it. Yeah. That That is just not an enlightened um, attitude. And until that stops, um, it's just not going to happen for us.
2: Yeah, that's one of my late questions, is: we'll ever really – get past the point of of when are we going to wake up, you know? And and we seem to be doing it. Some people are waking up because we do use our intuition and we are. You know that you can telepathically reach someone. I oftentimes do it. I'm sure other people do, too. Mm -hmm. You think about somebody and then they call you and, you know, but you can make that happen. But Right now, and this is a good segue, I'm, I'm going to be completely off my list of questions that I have because the only way this is, I could tell. I know this is going to happen. Um, already. But we're, yeah, already. We're, we're the people, we, the people living on Earth, are of many different races, and there are, I'm going to say aliens for lack of a better term, word or term stopping by somewhat regularly checking us out it's like they come here to you know see what the crazy people on earth are doing it's like going to the drive-in on saturday night i guess (laughs) and you know they're assisting where they can but the fact that if people really do read your book if they really read into it and see what is being said maybe just maybe people will understand that we are all the same you know we cut we bleed the same color There's no need to say, I'm better than you, and I want to get there first, and there's really no competition, and this is a really difficult thing that I find, even in my nonprofit, to get across to people. I had somebody this morning email me and say, I can't fit into my maternity clothes. Do you know anybody who could use them? And I sent her to another nonprofit because I don't deal with that, and I didn't know where to put it. Could I have taken them and tried to find someone? Sure, I could have, but I knew that this nonprofit was there, and I don't believe that there's competition. We should be working Together And people tell me, well, you're naive, thinking there's not competition. Of course there is. But you oh, know what? Things, so far, things have been working out okay for me that way, so I'm going to keep going with it. But I think when we read your book and we see that everybody is, you know, we're star seated from other places, and everybody is the same but different, maybe, just maybe, it will help to 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 – evolve this world a lot faster, the people of the world, because we're not seeing that through COVID, which I have to wonder might have something to do with the evolution and and it picking up faster.
3: Yes, and you know, T, in Do to Earth, PAX speaks of the different peoples and how they were star-seeded from different planets. And so you look at how we look different, languages are different, And these are different peoples that came over history, not at one time, but at different times throughout our early human history. And that's what Pax is saying is our, what he calls star-seated origins, and that the purpose of Earth in particular, we're actually a very special place of all of the many, many, many countless inhabited planets in the universe, this universe and other universes. We are actually special in that Earth was designed as a planet Earth project, and that was to put different peoples from different cultures and different planets in one place and see how they are civil. See if they can be civil towards one another. See how their civilization develops. See how their unity unfolds and if they will love each other.
2: Not working working out on on that. That. Yeah. <laughs> we are working yeah, on that.
3: Yeah, we are still working <laughs> on that one.
1: It, it makes, makes me feel one. like we're we're in the great petri dish. And they're watching to see how this experiment is going to turn
2: out. Yes, we're all in an experiment. And, you know, and and some people take it seriously and some people don't. And and that's the sad part, you know, that we can't agree to just try to get along. I mean, can everybody just play in the sandbox nice and people say that's naive too. And granted, it is. It's it's a very childish expression. But it really means a lot to be able to just step back and take a different perspective.
3: Yes. You know, Pax Pax mentioned that our differences are our strengths. And to look to those different populations and this idea of unity, and instead of having, uh, feeling that difference, that competition between those who are not like us, who maybe don't look like us and don't talk like us, but to realize that it is those differences, that if we each play to our strengths, if you will. And he even mentions something about even in our medicine, and our health, to look to how each is different. And in those differences, you will find your medical solutions. In those differences, you will find the strengths that you're looking for. And if we all really look to what is unique and special about each race and each people, that will be how we should live best.
2: Sure, because you can work together that way it's kind of like you know when you're in a business situation and you're the head of something whether it's a department a company a, a board whatever it is and you look to the people and you realize i can't do this who can do it better than me oh that person let's bring them in you know yep. you right. bring in the people that and then you have a team because i mean they do it in football all the time who's the best quarterback who's the best whatever i don't know football so quarterback's the only one i know <laughs> 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 That word sounds cool. (laughs) But, you know, you bring in the best player to to make the best team, and everybody knows their job. Well, if you know your job in sports and you know your job in different areas, why can't we just do that in life? And that kind of, you know, kind of doesn't go over really well with people, I guess. Uh, Right now, we're not that evolved to be able to do that on just a regular basis. And it really is just, to me, coming from your heart and being able to to shift and say, okay, let me put myself in their shoes and see what the perspective is. And then I can work with mm-hmm. them in a different yeah. way. If, yeah, if, if, we're if definitely
3: only. going through a growth period. It's like an yeah. initiation by fire right now. We're going to be the Phoenix Rising. You know, I think yeah. a lot of us see it. There's just so much strife in the world right now that it's, you know, what are we going to do with it? Will we become better for it? Will we be the Phoenix Rising?
2: Yeah, and hopefully we will. And it, it really isn't too late because times is a ticking. And, you know, to have Carol say, well, you know, the far is 10 years and the soon is sooner. Like, 10's not far. It's really not not that far. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One of the other things that kind of goes with this is when we talk about, you know, colonizing another planet, when you were talking about the Bermuda Triangle and Amelia Earhart and wormholes, the intergalactic superhighways to get to other destinations, planets, solar systems, galaxies, whatever, I've always believed those exist. And I've always thought when it came to Amelia Earhart and they couldn't find anything that she probably went through some kind of wormhole or something and ended ends up somewhere else and she's having a great time.
3: And then that's I read the book and I'm like,
2: that's exactly what she probably did. facts is telling us that's what she did. And that that's has to be did. something that scientists know about and could utilize as well. Kind, of, You know, it's not so far-fetched in Star Trek time when it was, you know, beam me up, Scotty. You know, I mean, it's well, that's really Star Trek is really.
3: The Star Trek is not far-fetched at all. There are so many of the technologies and concepts and ideas that are true, and PAX has validated, and also our science is starting to catch up with it. So in terms of wormholes, you know, that science speaks of the idea of folding space-time. So space and time work together, and that is something called space-time, and it's like a fabric. And if you think of that fabric as a sheet of paper and you fold it, now it was far apart, now is actually touching as those edges come together so that's a way to think of a wormhole and in the case of Amelia Earhart what Pax is saying is that she was such an adventurer that when this wormhole opened up in front of her as she was flying over the airspace of the Bermuda Triangle in 1937 that she was just so curious and to her it represented adventure and she willingly and by choice flew into that adventure and indeed as he says she did appear in another space time coordinate and was perfectly happy to be exploring there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the, what, p- the portal opened for her and she, she chose to go into the portal rather than around it and uh, had the greatest adventure of her life, I would think.
2: Well, and the fact that the portal opened for her, it opened also for pilots, but the difference was, and this was really interesting, the intention. The intention of the pilots were such that we have to land at wherever. That's where we have to go. And that intention brought them through and out of that wormhole and brought them into where they needed to be, where other ones were, we're not going to make it probably, we're not going to get to our destination, we're going down, and they just didn't realize that they were
3: intending
2: to not make it, and therefore they ended up going through a wormhole and ended up somewhere else.
3: Right, there is yep. a story, another story that you're referring to and doing to Earth about a pilot who is on record and this is, you know, as someone who was a retired military pilot, so a really good source of information. They don't tend to, you know, exaggerate and this is on record where he says that when this opened up in front of him as he was flying in the Bermuda Triangle space, and this is in recent years, his reaction was, oh no, I have to get through this thing because he felt it closing behind his his plane and it was narrowing and closing and he didn't want to be trapped inside of it. And so for him, he was like pedal to the metal, as you say, and trying to really push his way through there because his intention was not to get caught up in this thing. And so he landed in Southern Florida and it is recorded that he landed. I think it was an hour and something just under an hour and a half earlier than his scheduled time. And that was due to the wormhole.
2: And it's going kind to of make sense you know, when you think about that. And when sometimes in talking to people about the book or or having discussions like this, people will be like, I don't know, that's a crazy idea. It's really out there. I, I'm too smart for that. And I laugh because I think, wow, you really know you're smart when you're smart enough to know you don't know everything.
3: And you don't know what you don't know. I mean, right?
2: Yep. You know you're smart when you don't know everything and you don't know what you don't know, and anything's possible. And lately, the way the world has been quickening for the past, I'm going to say, 20 to 30 years, and it has been quickening, yes. we've seen things and learned things that we had no idea anybody was working yeah. on or knew about or, you know. So,
3: to me, nothing is far-fetched. Nothing.
2: Yeah, Nothing TV's foolish. Nothing, now. nothing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So Pax yes. says that closed-mindedness is its own reward. So, you know, you can take in information and decide for yourself if you believe it or not. It's okay to be somewhat skeptical. It's okay to filter information. But to look at the body of work of Do One to Earth, it does um, include so many of these human curiosities. You know, the Pyramid Stonehenge, the Bermuda Triangle, it goes on and on. Aliens make but. But when you look at some of the technologies that PAX is offering and the body of work in terms of our environmental repair, and so much of it resonates with you, that you say, well, yeah, I mean, these things can't be denied. And we also have had history already prove a lot of what PAX has had to say. So for anyone listening, try it, read the book, decide for yourself, and I'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised and extremely entertained.
2: And. And, you, you know, and you'll open up your eyes and your heart to a bunch of different things that, that you can then look at and really digest and try to go and research on your own and see that, wow, okay, this does make sense. I think that will come from it as well. And you never know, yeah. you know, from everything bad, like COVID, good things come. There will be good things. As we talked about in the first book, there will be vaccinations or cures potentially for things like Parkinson's and other diseases. So, you know, all that's coming about, and this book will bring a whole lot more Especially when we get into what I thought was the real message of the book is the greatest threat to our surviving is environmental, the pollution of the air, the water, yes. the soil. I mean, we've messed up Mother Nature or Mother Earth, and it seems it would take an, an Herculean effort to right this wrong. And I do believe anything is possible, but things take time. And this this is huge. People want what they are accustomed to, and people don't take changes easily. People are selfish and give little consideration to anyone else. We see this with, COVID, with the COVID virus. They're not wearing masks. They're probably socially distancing. and they, So they're, they're clearly lacking concern for their own well-being, never mind anyone else. But having said that, bettering the environment will mean big changes in the way we farm and eat and drive and heat our homes and, you know, the way – there were so many fascinating things about how all this will mm-hmm. take place. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And people may not take to the changes quickly or easily. So given that, while it is possible and it's not too late, I mean, how much time do we have to turn it around and heal? And I guess that's the question I went
3: back to. the. at It looks like it's about 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, first of all, looking at the information in Do Unto Earth, it really doesn't have to take that long or take that much effort, actually, to turn things around. You look at how quickly the canals in Venice cleared up when when people were on lockdown because of COVID. So we know these things can happen. When Pax told me in the writing of Do Unto Earth and Pax told me that microwaves are extremely bad for our health and that they off-gas toxins, you open the microwave door, What happens? Poof, right into your face, a big gaseous bomb of toxins. I unplugged my microwave that day. I have not used a microwave in whatever it's been. I'll say a year off the top of my head since Pax said that to me. Also plastic. You know, plastic, it's not just that it doesn't return to the earth and it's not recyclable. It also off-gases toxins, off-gases toxins into our house, all of the PVC plumbing that our houses are wired with like veins. It off-gasses into our food, plastic wrap-on food. I instantly changed that day, and it wasn't that hard to eat. It was actually kind of fun. I got rid of all of the plastic Tupperware, and that day ordered online mason jars. And ever since then, every single thing has gone into a mason jar or something similar. And it has been – something about it is kind of like – you know, the gardening, uh, you know, getting back to nature, getting back to the way I saw my grandmother, you know, do things. And yeah. there is definitely something about it that it was not only easy, but it felt really good. And you see how fast people pivoted when groceries went. grocery stores pivoted when people pivoted regarding plastic bags to paper. So the consumer drove that. Consumer all of a sudden became consciously aware of plastic bags. Oh, my goodness, one time use plastics plastic grocery bags, straws, the consumer changed. It was an attitude shift that happened almost overnight. And suddenly, what did the grocery stores do? They had to comply. And that happened extremely fast. So when the consumer has the will and gets excited about something, it doesn't have to be that difficult. They're actually small shifts. And we look at all of the solutions that PACS gives and do unto earth regarding the environmental crisis, just chock full of solutions you know, the replacement to plastic, hemp cellulose to replace old plastic. All of these things, he is saying that the farmer will again be the hero, that what will happen, and this is a prediction of what's happening in the future, that farmers will, you know, retool and manufacturers will retool. So it won't be that people will be out of jobs and industries will actually just be pivoting. And it won't be that difficult. And it will be these large industries that have the money that will see what consumers are interested in and the shift will actually start happening because of the consciousness being raised by this book to unto earth. This is a message directly from the spirit world to us at this time. It's a love letter to humanity and it will start changing the population and they will demand the changes. Yeah, your book
2: is definitely a gift to humanity. It absolutely is. I, I immediately thought that. This is definitely a gift that we're being given because the solutions are in here. And, and even, you know, people have to have the will. And sometimes it takes something drastic, unfortunately, to have people shift quickly or to p- make those sea changes very quickly. The, the fact that, you know, COVID happened and a lot of things are coming from it, one of the things that kind of surprised me is that, you know, smoking. People still smoke. They still sell cigarettes, but they could be selling mm-hmm. tobacco for insulation in homes because it's a great insulator, or for packing material, and that does go back mm-hmm. to the earth rather than styrofoam. Yeah, it that a great one. Yeah, it, were, yeah, it oh, was. Oh, I just and, love
3: that. Yeah. Uh, it was
2: like what well, the tobacco companies should be looking at, saying, right? you know, look at all the construction that happens. Well, look at all the
3: and they'll make even more houses. money, right, T? Yeah, yep, I make think so. It'll even more money. It will, yeah. Yes. So we, will, we want to spread this message to everyone, and, and these big industries need to hear this because no one is asking them to go out of business. In fact, this is a brand-new market about to open. So what you're referring to, Tia, is that Pax says that tobacco leaves, they shouldn't be smoked. They should be used for your insulation. Um, ah. For home insulation, building insulation, and also that they are an amazing heating and cooling material that can be used in things like running shoes, ski boots. So either to keep your feet cool as in in sports or to keep your feet warm. So there you go. Anybody who's listening who wants to start a new business, <laughs> partner with some big businesses, there are just, we, we like to say there are billion dollar ideas in this book.
2: Yes. And even Michelle, um, machining things differently the styrofoam companies don't need to continue to buy the products they need to make the styrofoam they can just go to the tobacco companies and start making that you know and doing that yep. it's, it's a restructuring of the everybody has a strategic plan it's a living and breathing document and It can change at any time change your strategic plan hire more people if you need to but the process might be slightly different but you still need the people to do this you still need that manpower to get those uh-huh. out there and what a great way to do it and to, the only downside i could see to that is like okay tobacco burns and I can see fire departments and, you know, and you saying, yeah, insurance companies, no, it, that doesn't have any fire protection at all the way that <laughs> fiberglass does, insulation does. So it would, need it to would sound that out. so,
3: but this is, mm-hmm, exactly. So this is the piece where we people are the people here that need to, you know, the spirit world is not going to fix everything for us. Right. And it will be our pleasure and enjoyment of those physicists and those scientists to figure out what to do about that. To, I would love, you know, if I had the background to do that, wouldn't I just love to start working with tobacco to get into some yeah. laboratory and start figuring out what is this material that has these properties and how can we make it into that? So that it of course is not, as you say, going to, you know, go up and smoke, but they use those same properties, turn around those assets into what will be an insulation. I think it's an exciting opportunity for a lot of those adventurous people who uh, love to invent
2: and some of the other products they talk like hemp and bamboo i've been buying bamboo yoga pants for years they're great and bamboo sheets yep. they're so yep. soft they're much softer than you know that egyptian cotton that has like five million thread count who cares you know it's, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it yep. doesn't last right. you know but a bamboo seems to get softer and softer plus you can't oh, sure you know they're Yeah, there's so many uses for bamboo, and it's in flooring, and it lasts forever, and it goes back to the earth, and it's a very versatile product, so you can have wood floors, and you can wear clothing that actually has a nice hand to it, so the drape is good on the clothes. It's not like it's stiff and
3: harsh and giving you splinters. Oh, I love bamboo.
2: Yeah. I love bamboo
3: clothes and apparel, absolutely, and the best part about bamboo, well, there's two best parts. One, it grows super, super fast, so it's highly renewable grows i actually have some in my backyard i live in southern florida so we have plenty of bamboo and it grows so fast you could cut it down and like i'm talking about a 50 foot piece of bamboo and you can see it grow gee you can actually visually see it grow and day after day you will see like a foot a day grow that's how fast it grows second thing is it takes in more carbon out of the air and filters carbon out of the air than just about anything so hemp and bamboo are two fantastic plants that filter more carbon out of the air than you know trees and a lot of other things. So you're looking at why wouldn't we grow that rather than grow cotton that doesn't have any you know net carbon value at all. Right, right.
2: And now you just remind me of something else: the trees, the trees in California, the redwoods. Would you like to see yeah. that?
3: Yeah. Hello. <laughs> that is just, yeah. Oh, would I ever? These gorgeous. Stands of wisdom that are protecting the West coast are more than just trees. As tax says, they are, they hold the wisdom of the ages. They've been around for thousands of years, have seen so much, but they have a lot of properties that you would just never think of really truly jaw dropping. So I was asking about our water shortage crisis on this planet. You look at places like, of course, California has a water shortage crisis, but even greater so in places like South Africa Kuwait, places all over the world where they truly are running out of water and so you think wow the world is full of oceans all that water, why can't we figure out desalination, why is desalination so difficult? Well the answer is right now our technology for desalination takes more energy than the positive benefit so it's a reverse osmosis to take the salt out and that takes a tremendous amount of energy so that's just in really simple terms that that's why it's not being done Um, to a great extent because it just is not really viable right now. We haven't quite figured out desalination. So Paxos said, look to the soil of the great redwood trees and that in the soil, you know, around the trees, all those thousands of years of falling leaves and whatever magic and wisdom is contained, that in the soil of the redwood trees is a magical ingredient that will desalinate salt water, purify other water, actually remove toxins from water. And so my first thought was, oh no, I don't even want to tell people this because you know what they're going to do, right? They're going to yep. go um, yep. mess with the beautiful redwoods, and you know, government, our own government will, you know, um, be the first to want to monetize. So Pax says that they're not to be touched. It's, it's actually one of the few times that he really gives a direct directive they are not to be touched and that you will take small amounts and do so with a a committee of sorts that would include first nations indigenous people and foresters on a committee and that small amounts should be taken and then reverse engineer what is in that and that we can remake that and that it is to be shared not just with the united states the only place the redwoods exist all over the world you know, formula can be recreated elsewhere.
2: Yeah, it's a very, um, everything that he says is about sharing with everyone, you know, and that's important Mm -hmm. because we're not doing that. We don't do that. Um, that, That's obvious that we're not sharing things that, you know, everybody wants to be the first to do something and beat the other guy out and, you know.
3: Yeah. And the planet has enough resources for everyone, of course. Yeah, monetize. Yep. You know, yeah.
1: T, all these things that you're asking about, and talking about, all of these solutions uh, are what really makes this book uh, a winner for the reader. Because while people are filled with questions about what's happening in life, this book answers so many, many of them. And I believe it brings comfort to the reader yes. to know that not only um, are all these good questions Uh, In existence right now But there are solutions There are answers And even though you may find it A little hard to recognize uh, Right now As a solution Just, you know, give it a day or two It will be There's great comfort, I think For the reader in knowing That these um, concerns That we all have Right now in life um, Are are solvable And uh, just have a look, have a read, and, uh, you know, maybe you're going to
2: be the person to take that information and run with it. And maybe if everybody just looks at the stuff and says, well, what can I do? You know, like you did. You turned off your microwave and you went and you said, okay, I'm not using plastic anymore on these Mm -hmm. things. I'm going to buy mason jars and and all that stuff. If people start doing those things, enough people do it are not making enough sales. They have to come up with another way to do things because it's not working. You know, and, not again, getting... it's consumer-driven. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, it does yes. come down to that. Yes, yes.
3: And there will be a wave of awareness. This book is already making waves. We have uh, been amazed at how quickly it has been making waves, and it is like nothing else I've ever read. And um, we still can't believe the information that has been shared by the spirit world. And just a recap, Pax introduces himself as the God being the universe, but not the universe alone. So this source of wisdom is a very high-level spirit world source. So it's just really, it's really exciting. Um, you asked earlier about how much time we have left on this planet before, you know, a planet collapses or the environment gets so bad. Tax does say eight to 12 years before a fail-safe point is reached. And that fail-safe point does not mean the end of the world, but it does mean that if we continue on this trajectory and don't change, that we will get to that point of no return. And that parts of our planet have already started to die, he has said. But we can turn it around. The formula and blueprint to turn it around is in this book, Do Unto Earth. And this is why the spirit world has contacted us right now and wanted and wished for and made happen, this book come to reality because we do have such a short period. It's gotten to that point now, T, that it's like an emergency you know, wake-up call from the spirit world to say, okay, we're now going to tell you some things because you guys have not been able to figure this out, and it's actually getting really critical for your Mother Earth.
2: We are not immune from the wrath of Mother Nature at all, and we know this. We see it daily on the news, the hurricanes, tornadoes, the sinkholes, volcanoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, you name it. If we don't wake up and learn from the error of our ways, we're going to go the way of the civilizations, you know, like Lemuria and Atlantis, even Sodom yes. and Gomorrah. We're looking down the barrel of those guns right now. We are looking down the barrel of those guns, and we need to do something are, yes. about it. Yeah. Um, and it's in the anthropogenic, future- you know, when... Mm-hmm. When Mother
3: Earth calls out like that it's, You know, I'm wounded it's, This is a call for yeah. help So these, these reactions are impact These are, you know, these symptoms And we're not listening The symptoms and, yeah, no, of what we're talk, doing, you know
1: Bex did talk about Sodom and Gomorrah in the
3: book
2: yes. yep. And, you know, made that um, comparison I mean, that's what, you know, we're, Mother Nature is ticked, and she's been mad for a long time, and I don't blame <laughs> her. She's taking us off like, please, I don't blame her. We treat her horribly, you know, we, as a whole, society as a whole, and, and it's just, it's really too bad. And I have to wonder, too, with the whole COVID thing, is this a way to thin the herd, if you will, so there are less people on the planet causing less harm and less chance of destroying Gaia? that thought has often crossed my mind. Is this just a way to get us to start thinking more about what it is we're doing because we're not doing well. And it's, I mean, there are a lot of people going out from COVID a lot. Well, historically
1: it has been the way, hasn't it?
3: Yeah. Yep. Plagues and everything. Yeah. Well, and we, you you know, it comes back to, it comes back to us and our choices and, you know, it's not really just some people polluting the planet. It's, you know, it's a real thing. We have, giant floating islands of plastic in our oceans it almost brings tears to my eyes to think about what every one of us including us have done because we're all part of it and it's easy to to pollute when you don't see the whole chain of events and in recent years you know in the last number of decades 50 plus 60 years We have all really taken ourselves out of the food chain of Mother Earth. We don't know where our food comes from. We buy it from the grocery store. We don't know what happens after we put out our garbage, where it goes. So we have allowed ourselves to become blind to the entire ecosystem that we have created. And so each one of us good people as consumers have allowed ourselves to be so mindless and um be part of this problem and it's now time to every single one of us become part of the solution. And it's small shifts, it's really not that it's really not that difficult. A lot of it, as PAC says, it's a no brainer. Mm.
2: And it's funny because it's not just our planet. When when I got to the part in the book about I think it was um the trash in space, it goes into space a black junk. hole. Yeah, space junk. It goes into a a, a hole and it's got to come out somewhere. What happens when it comes out? Does it explode? The ripple effect is probably huge because, you, just like everything else, you know, you put a pebble in the water and that ripple keeps going and going and going. We're yep. putting trash in space. Where's it going? Where's it going? Where's it coming out? Yes. Who are we hurting?
3: Yes. Well, Pac says that, you know, our, our leaving behind of our debris, our space junk, is something that the entire universe is aware of. And that is an attitude and intention that has gone out like ripples into the entire universe. And they are all very aware of our attitude that we would just go up into space, plant our satellites, you know, do our snooping around in our little neighborhood of space and constantly leave behind these fuel cartridges Every single time we send a rocket up, you know, there's just thousands of these satellites. You know, every time we send something up, we're leaving behind the empty fuel cartridge without thinking about it at all.
2: Yeah, because space to us is so big. It's like, well, it's not going to hurt anything. And it is. And this is where every single... Yeah, this is where every single thought, every single thing that you do, thought, action, word, deed, makes a difference because it does cause a ripple effect where people really need to be educated on everything is energy, absolutely everything. Every thought you have puts something out there, and if it's not good, you need to cancel it and just say, okay, no, 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 that's not what I mean, and and go back to something from your heart that's what's going to make the difference and but people need to get to that point that's what we need to start teaching now i don't want to i I don't want to um we're getting we're getting close to the top of the hour i can't believe it but i want to be able to talk about Mm -hmm. because i know people are curious about a couple of things that have been given regarding what happened to like the construction of the great pyramids and the movement of the stones at stonehenge can you speak to those for a little bit for us
3: yeah, both were teleportation. So this was our ancient ancestors who star seeded us here and at different times throughout our early history, they would return to help us. Those were the days that they would do more than buzz by, which is all they do now because of our attitudes. Those were the days when they would stop and help and that we were in a place then that we accepted their help and we asked for their help. So Stonehenge was built, those stones removed by teleportation, teleportation, is a thought process according to PAX. It does not require technology or instruments. It's a little bit different than the way we saw it on Star Trek, but that it is a thought process and that it is the elevation of thought. And thought is an energy formation, and that energy moves those stones. And the same with the pyramids.
2: Which uh, you know, that's not, that's not that far fetched either. Even though, but I think people don't realize that because they see the movie, the 10 commandments and we see all the slaves building the pyramids and everybody believes, Oh, that's actual footage. No, it's not. We didn't have those cameras and and (laughs) certainly didn't have color film. Yeah.
3: This is hot.
2: There's a difference. Yeah. And
3: you know, what's interesting T, is that nobody's been able to figure out how the slaves, if that's how it happened, could have done it. So to this day that cannot be recreated, no matter how many men you have moving stones of that size, no matter what technology they've attempted to invent or hypothesize no one has the answer for that yet so that's not a theory that can be proven right
2: right it was just it was it was kind of funny to read so I was, I was picturing people thinking but we have it we yeah. know what happens we see it in the movie we know <laughs> we saw the
3: movie yeah hey, there you
2: go you know i paid 10 bucks to see the 10 commandments it was in there it was documented you know um and i'm really glad i saved time for this because this to me penelope you in the in the somewhere in the book i can't remember it's a it's a 400 page book it's over 400 pages but it's a good book and it's a quick read there's so much in it Mm -hmm. it's hard to get everything in but when you were talking with pax about roswell and your Mm -hmm. level of compassion for these people i was Mm -hmm. in tears your level of compassion for the aliens that were here and what you wanted to do message-wise, and I was like, you can do this yourself, and then I read him saying to you, you can actually do this yourself, and I'm like, yeah, Penelope, you. you can do it yourself, I can help you with this, you know, I'm going to do it too, and I started doing it as well, because oh, again, great. it's thought processes, it's energy, it goes out there, if if you would speak to that Roswell information, because it was just, yeah. it, it, it really so, was impactful,
3: Thank you. So in 1947, the famous Roswell incident was indeed a crash at Roswell, New Mexico. And according to Pax, it was eight ET vehicles that arrived that day, not one. And the U.S. government shot one out of the sky. So it was a planned meeting between the ETs and the U.S. government. Believe it or not, according to Pax, the um, U.S. knew that they were coming. And it was a planned and accepted meeting. And when they came into the airspace, the U.S. military decided to shoot one of them down so that they could capture the technology, reverse engineer it. And one of the beings survived that crash for a period of time, and the U.S. government tested on that being. And eventually they come to their injuries, and um, you would think of being tested on to see, you know, how they could survive that type of space travel. So this was our, you know, our thinking at that time was to try to figure out, but they were coming to help us with those very things. And so our position of fear led to that reaction at the time. And I was just so sad for, you know, 1947 really wasn't that long ago. So these beings would still have relatives alive today, and presumably they live a lot longer than us, but certainly descendants at the very least. And I wanted to say, you know, can you send a message to their family from me? And I was, see, when I was, when I was um, asking the questions and receiving the answers, I was crying. I felt so deeply sad and, um, you know, sorry on behalf of humanity that this happened to them and that they were coming in peace and coming to help. And what did we do? And it's just, you know, it's so sad, and it really turned the tides of history because since about that time, they stopped the visitations, and it's only the, the buzz buys of this time. Very, very sad indeed, but what Pax said is that we can send them, that I didn't need to go through him, that I could send them my thought energy, just my thought of love, and I said, like, I just want to say I love you, I love you, I love you, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, for what we did. And he said, you can do that. And so I did immediately at that time, and I periodically do. And I talk to them on a regular basis, you know, telepathically. And I'm sure, you know, I know that their telepathic abilities are so strong that they're getting those messages. Whether I'm getting their messages or not is what is still to be developed. But it is a beautiful thing, and we can send our positive thought, energy, and intentions to them.
2: And, and you know, I, I was in tears when I was reading that part, too, cause these people, these beings belong to someone just like we all do. And then I can't remember if it was before or after that, talking about the animals and treating the animals, every creature the same way, these little animals have souls. When you see these commercials on TV of how people are beating animals and such, and and even at the start of COVID, a lot of people decided to adopt animals. And then when businesses were back open, a lot of people were dropping animals that they adopted back off And, and to me, I was like, that's just wrong. That's just so many kinds of wrong. Oh my God, these poor animals. You know, you can't, you can't bring them in and then abandon them and give them up. That's not right. They're, they're not just a thing. They have a soul. They've come to love you unconditionally and they love unconditionally in the way that humans don't. And yeah, so all of that kind of tied in together. And it it must've been Mm -hmm. somewhere in the same thing. It only took like three sittings to read the whole book. So I I honestly don't remember which came first, but yeah, there was a lot of places where there were a lot of tears because of the way that we've treated animals, the way that we've treated other human mm-hmm. beings, the way that we're treating beings from other planets and such. Um, it's just been. And those really, are
3: moments that we, yeah, you know, we change inside when we're affected in an emotional way that, like that. So Pack says that all animals have a soul, and that yes. if it breathes, we're not to treat it that way. You know, that was that was the words. If it breathes. I was asking about testing in laboratories, even if it's for important medicine. And he said, if it breathes, you're not to test on it. So that yeah. is really fantastic. I know how short we are in time. Do you have time to talk about Australia and Nicole? Yes.
2: Yep. I was going to ask you what wait, I okay. have one final question at, down the road, but we do have time because I extended the time. If you have okay, time, okay, I'll make it time. quick.
3: Yeah, I'm going to make it quick because this Australia thing, we really need people to get the message out, and this is one of those things that truly gives me chills of of anything in the book. This is one of those um, foreboding warnings. So Pax says, um, and this was unprovoked by me, so Pax does require questions to give answers, and um, very rarely does he say something if I haven't asked a very specific and direct question until this topic. He said to look to the continent of Australia. So we were talking about the bushfires, the seasonal bushfires. And then he said to look at when the fires meet the coal in the ground and the coal that is staged for export. So I looked it up, and it turns out Australia is the number one exporter of coal in the world. And so they are bringing coal to the surface and staging it out for export. And when, according to PAX, when those bushfires, which happen, you know, every summer for them, our winter, their summer, meet the coal that, I mean, I don't even want to say, but he said it will spell disaster for that continent. So just, you know, read how it's worded in the book, and it is something that we can change, but let's get that message out, you know, let's get the message out that Australia needs to people of australia need to look at the situation with their coal and these bushfires yeah because and they were think really of a candle dead. that never stops burning yeah you know you yep. think of a fire that can't be put out because now it's well, being look at how
2: bad it was two summers ago not this not this past our summer but the yeah. one before 2, 218 right uh or 219, 219. rather it, it was horrible it was to the point where the smoke was in south, south africa
3: Oh, was, uh, so many millions all around of the koalas
2: were yeah.
3: killed in the fire. all fires. the
2: animals that mm-hmm. died, and, and the smoke was all over the globe, but it very quickly made it to South Africa, and people were surprised. And, 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 you know, when you saw more, as I saw more on the news, I realized this is going all the way around the globe. <laughs> this is going everywhere. You know, it was sad, yeah. and, it was yeah, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely horrific. And, yeah, that was one of the – um, that was a question that was coming down, but we got off of other things, so <laughs> I'm glad you brought that yeah. up. But I did want to ask one thing. I don't know if you've heard from Pax recently about this, but I do want to ask, given the warp speed of the COVID vaccine and the prior information given by Pax regarding the vaccine and how it was going to take a while to get it out, have you heard any more from PACS as to whether or not these vaccines that are currently in the works and that will be available very soon, are they actually viable?
3: Carol, would you like to...
2: We haven't
1: asked. We have not asked that question. The I have um, I'm sorry? Oh, yes. Uh, as do I. And PAX had alluded to the fact that there would be many, many vaccines that would be put uh-huh. forward as um, being the savior for everyone. But uh-huh. really, it was... Um, Based on greed, that the pharmaceutical companies, of course, were looking to be the first ones uh, out of the gate and that there would be um, a monetary reward basis for their trying to put the vaccines out first without perhaps uh, the proper testing. And we have seen that. Um, We have have seen a warp speed, as you say, production of vaccines that are potentially uh, questionable. And now what we're seeing, um, and I, I won't name which one, but now it's in the news today, and yesterday that people ought to be very careful Because there are uh, greater than potential allergic reactions And people are being warned that if they have allergies In fact, do not accept this vaccine So yeah. I, I think what people need to do is If they can, if they feel right about it, sit back and wait and do their own research and study. Talk to their own medical professionals. But um, have we just gone to PACS on this uh, specific question? We haven't. But really
3: early on, uh, he he gave us warnings.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to add
3: that he did proactively tell us to look to the drugs that were successful for polio. And that to look for that they would provide what would be more of a universal vaccine so that this virus has now mutated into so many different diseases that one vaccine may be for one, another vaccine might be effective for another. But if you're looking for something that will be the, this was his quote, the final end to the virus in the body and around the world to Ask the scientists to look to The polio reduction methods That were successful at that time And we don't know what that means because we're not scientists So we do encourage
1: scientists To look there And I would like to add to that Also that We have known for months now Pax has shared with us That the COVID-19 virus When it's in the body um, People think they're over it But in fact it's just gone dormant And it will bloom again into um, its next um, iteration, but while it was dormant, it was mutating. So our understanding is that the, vi- the vaccines that have been in development now for quite some time are potentially not effective against um, the COVID-19 virus as it appears in many people who may present in a second or third bloom of that virus. So um, You know, science has not caught up, uh, and that's my concern.
2: Well, it's mine, too, because today, Dr. Jennifer Ashton on um, Good Morning America, and I think it's their third hour at some point, I turned on the TV, and she was talking about questions people asked regarding COVID, and one of the questions was something about getting it again, and she said, well, we know it doesn't stay in the body, and I thought, oh, you obviously did read the book. That's the first thing I thought. They like, okay, she didn't read the book. Okay. So they're looking at that. But my biggest concern is, first of all, Pfizer's got, and I don't mind saying the name of them. I know you guys are scared. Okay. Of them, but okay. So Pfizer's got a vaccine that has to be at negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit the whole time. You know, it's only got a 90-second shelf life when it's, when it's out. It's got to be out, put in a needle, and in you within 90 seconds. That bothers, yeah. How you know ninety five degrees ninety four degrees below zero? Doctors' offices, Walgreens, a lot CVS, of there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, right? Okay, so people get the shot <laughs> and then they think I'm great. I'm taking off a mask and I'm walking around now. False sense sure. of security, right there. Moderna, yes. you know, Moderna is a better one because it's a regular refrigeration. Doesn't have that same, you know, perishability, if you will. And Moderna and Pfizer are using the same science, mRNA, which has been used for years. It's been used for years for different things, primarily for cancer tumors, so that they can actually design how they're going to fight a cancer tumor in someone by using this technology. And that's great. That would be one I would be more safe feeling taking but I still don't think it's going to do any good <laughs> I don't think we're there yet because nobody's asking the question of these people who are answering these questions on TV but you've only had a couple of months what are the long term effects we don't even have long term yet how in heaven do you know when every ad they watch if you watch TV at all during the day there's, there's at least one commercial that comes up about humera or some other drug with a list of side effects that's worse than the actual disease you're taking the drug for
1: Oh, yeah. It constantly amazes me. One of the things that Pax said in the book, too, that he didn't really dwell on, but he said look to a Canadian company um, to be developing a vaccine that is going to be very effective. And I am seeing uh, that they're slow and steady. They're working on uh, coming close now to the the approval process, but they're taking their time with it, and it's looking very good. Can't think of the name, but it gives me hope that there are others that are uh, spending more time and being uh, the, the usual um, care, careful self that uh, any company should be when developing something that's going to be injected into people.
2: And, yeah, into, your, into the human body. And that coupled with the fact that now you've got Qantas Airlines saying, well, if you don't have a vaccine, you can't fly. And countries saying, well, we mm-hmm. won't let anybody in who doesn't have a vaccine. You're going to have to have it on your passport or something that you got the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Companies right. saying yeah. you can't work here unless – so it's a threatening thing. I don't like being it's- threatened. It's I don't pushing like it people, at all. Yeah. No. It's
1: pushing people into a decision they might not otherwise make.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I look at that and I think, is this part of a greater plan to spin, again, the herd? Because there's going to be a false sense of security. After Halloween, two weeks later, we had a huge surge. Then we had Thanksgiving. And I knew two weeks after Thanksgiving, within that time frame, there's going to be another surge, and there is. Now, Christmas is coming, and then New Year's. If we don't think that January is going to be the worst time of it, then we're not paying attention to the news. And the fact It absolutely that these, is. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And the fact that these vaccines will come out in the spring and people will think, Yay, I got vaccinated, I can take off my mask, I can go anywhere I want, I can do whatever I want, is probably only going to create another surge if, in fact, it doesn't last that long. We don't know yet. And that's what bothers me. That's what scares me about it is that, you know, I, I don't like being pushed into getting something. I mean, and I get a flu shot yearly because I had the flu once and I said, I'm not doing this again. That was God awful. <laughs> but I also had this summer, I, I didn't have anything COVID related, but I had MRSA and MRSA not fun. And I didn't want to mm-hmm. go to the hospital because I didn't want COVID on top of MRSA because that was just like signing my own. Right. certificate. So I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. But you know, I'll go home and die. The, I had MRSA, but what was worse than that was the side effects from the drugs they had me on were so bad, mm-hmm. they were so mm-hmm. bad. And finally, I could just put me on like clindamycin or take me off of these sulfur drugs. They're not working for me. I was in horrible shape. And I'm not a, a I'm tall, but I'm not a, a large person. And, you know, I lost 15 pounds that I really wow. ought not to have lost. And, it wasn't good you know and and i thought wow this is just so i have i'm like gun shy right now i really am i'm very gun shy about the whole um the whole vaccine thing so it does tell
3: us to all be empowered you know like one of the nice pieces of wisdom is that we need to wake up to our empowerment and to not just follow outside sources whether that be governments or religions to look to what we think, and that's an individual thing. That's an individual choice. What might be good for one person is not good for the other person. So if you feel intuitively, because we all have these higher powers, these sixth sense, and we need to listen to them. So if you feel intuitively that, you know what, I might have reactions to that. I don't feel comfortable with that. Well, that not feeling comfortable is the sixth sense talking to us. So each individual has to make that choice and not be pushed into the idea of, you know, being forced by government or forced by an airline. If, you know, if I was forced by an airline, I guess I'm not flying. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, but um, some people might be forced by a job, job
3: and, you
2: know, their employer. And that, that really is sad because people... But I
3: think we can do something about that. I think that we have to so. speak our truth to power. We have to speak our truth to power. And that's actually a quote from PAC, speak your truth to power. So you have to do that. You have to... You know, even if uh, it's an upward battle, you know, we have to speak up and say something, and hopefully other people at the same place of employment would feel the same way, and, you know, together they can be a force. Right.
2: So empower yourself, people. Listen to your intuition. Empower yourselves with what you know and feel and go with that and stick with it, and and that's how we're all going to get through all of this, I guess, is just to be able to, to do that. But the book, Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late?, We really need to – I'm telling you this is probably one of the greatest investments you'll make is to buy this book. Go on Amazon now and let's shut down the site by ordering too many of these books so they have to print more because they're just – it's, it's crazy good, and it will give you, you know, if you're in lockdown or you don't go out too much because of all of this, this gives you something to read and something to plan for, and it's a good time to start planning. You're coming into winter months and everything, start planning to do these things and make the shifts from plastic to glass or whatever it is that you're going to do and figure out ways to do things that will be better for you and your children and your grandchildren and all of your, you know, your um, descent uh, and whatever, uh, all of the people coming down the road and help save the planet. Um, we're over time, ladies, and I'm sorry about that, but before you, we go, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you, your work, and where they can purchase your books, which I just said go on Amazon and do because it's probably quicker than anywhere else, but I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, well, you, they can also go to paxwisdom.com. That's P-A-X Wisdom.com. And Carol and I each have our own websites. Carol does do channeling sessions with PAX, which is a beautiful gift if someone wants to get that for themselves or for a family member, great Christmas present. But PaxWism.com has all of our books, and Do Unto Earth is linked there, so that's an easy way to find it on Amazon.
2: Do both of your websites have, uh, I didn't notice it, yes. on the Pax, okay, there, there's a link, okay.
3: If you I go like to great. the author pages, there'll be a link yes. to each of our individual, and they're just our names, so carolsereneborgans.com, com
2: great, easy enough to do. And again, it's the holidays and these, this could be the best thing that you give yourself or your loved ones. And who says you can't gift yourself? Go ahead. <laughs> you,
1: you know, T, would like to say that in terms of people gifting themselves, I'd just like to end by saying that when reading this book, it is empowering, and that is very important for us all right now. And if your, your listeners don't think that they can access their higher wisdom, Pax's message is this, my wisdom is there for the enlightened. Anyone can access it, mm-hmm. just like you did with your with your rosary. So yep. um, that's, that's his gift to all.
2: That's great. Thank you, and what a great gift that is. So thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you. That, that's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. Okay, listeners, we need you to spread the word. You've heard it all here tonight. Spread the word, please. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, but this is vitally important. It really is. This is, this is our planet. This is our lives. So please, do unto Earth. It's not too late. Go and look at that book. Look at the other books that they've written as well, The Likely Future. There's two of them, Volume 1 and 2. And on behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in this evening. Remember, tonight's guest will – oh, well, that was last time. I'm reading the wrong page. (laughs) For more information about me and my work with energy and sound therapy or to schedule a remote energy session, because I'm not doing in-person ones, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. That's quantumwellness.org. Please also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. Every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need, 100%. And I have to say, there are more children now than there ever have been who have been asking for coats and other things this year. And we have been able to, thankfully, we've been able to supply coats. And we haven't been able to use the same suppliers we always have in order to get the prices we did. But... We're trying really hard. We are run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, no stipends or compensation of any kind to anyone. You'll learn about our fundraising if you go to the org page. So please do that. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at SojiHuggles. And please like us on Facebook, Soji SojiHuggles Children's Foundation. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and you as remain healthy and safe. And have a wonderful holiday season. And looking forward to 2021.
3: So, you know,
2: do whatever you can to make a big difference in the world. This is where we live. This is where we love. This is the people we know. So remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
2: A laundry?
1: Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire,
0: huh? Oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.